Hi, you guys, and welcome to TrailerCast. I am Elise Snipes, your host, and I am very excited to be here with you today and to talk to you about the next conversation. So I've been in a series of TrailerCast conversations where listeners just like you are writing in and we are talking through something that's going on in their life, a story they want to share or a problem or a place that they're stuck um, or something that they've experienced and just want to be able to have places of connection and clarity and confidence in it. And so then we talk in real time the way that we would if we sat down at a bar or at the beach or over coffee and just kind of move through the story in an effort to to really hear it, to really know it, to really see it for what it is, and to be able to see ourselves accurately in the midst of our story. So if you are interested as well in being on this podcast and sharing your story, you can do so anonymously. We don't have to also include your picture, your name, and all that good stuff. The point is the story, right? Because so many of us are wondering if we are the only one, and if anybody else has ever been here before, and if they have, could you please send me all your tips? Like that's, (laughs) like tell me everything, please. So you can look at elisesnipes.com backslash trailercast, or you can search trailercast.com. You'll get there both ways. I would love to have you and would love to hear your voice on this podcast. Without further ado, Michelle is here today with us to talk about her experience of loss, what you do with it, what you don't do with it, what you don't say about it, what you could say about it, um, and facing all these things with extreme bravery. Thank you, Michelle, for your sweet voice and for being here today. Cheers. So would you mind if I read um, just your prompt where you wanted to start today? Is that okay? Yeah, I don't remember what I said, so <laughs> that would per- be great. <laughs> Perfect. I will, I will get us going. Okay. Hi, my name is Michelle. I am a 34-year-old mom of two boys with a third on the way. My life has been full of trauma and loss, and I've spent this last year trying to heal so I could go through this pregnancy with a peaceful mind and heart. I still struggle, though, and I'd love to discuss the bravery it takes to put ourselves out there after loss. I lost my first baby at 24 weeks, and my second son was born premature at 32 weeks and some tools to not spiral back into the trauma and fear. I lost my dad at 16 and my mom two years ago, and I am often awaiting the next tragedy. I know this sounds like a downer, but I have a beautiful life, and I know it is my job to make it such despite all the adversities. That was good. What? Nice. No wonder you wanted to talk to me. Gosh. All my heartstrings. But I know, right? Yeah. If you don't cry during this conversation. Right. What does that really say about you? Yeah. 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 What does it sound like to you having it read back to you? Um, I it's so weird because I don't remember forming those words in such Mm -hmm. a way. Um I know my heart in wanting to talk to you and and sitting here preparing for our conversation, just what I wanted to give and what I wanted to try to get out of it. And um, I guess I'm kind of surprised by my bluntness (laughs) Mm. in my initial putting it out there, but it's accurate. So the place that I was in um, when I was sitting there and wrote in that, that was 
um, very honest. We'll put it that way. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 It felt like um, heart, heart, like right here. It, it wasn't mm-hmm. like there was no dancing around what we were getting to. It was like really, really hard things have happened and keep happening. Also, I'm pregnant, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, with my third boy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Bless you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, where do you want to, where do you want to like pull on that ball? Where, what's the thing that you want to like look at first together? Um, gosh, well, I guess for the current situation that this last year, um, the work that I've been doing and trying to kind of um, share with others as well, that it's, it's hard, it's uncomfortable, um, but it is such profitable work. Um, I actually, I remember a podcast of yours that, um, an episode, it was after your grandmother died. Yes. And you were talking about her life and the way you spoke about it, you were saying what a beautiful life she had. Mm. Um, and my mom had recently died before that. And that was never a word that I described her life. I often said it was a hard life, a sad life. It was, um, hard. And I didn't want people to see my life that way because I didn't want my life to be that way. I wanted to, when I died, people to say she had a beautiful life, an exciting life. I wanted them to remember um, not my tragedies, but what I've overcome and the life that I made of that. And I'm speaking about people who matter, like my children. Totally. Um, Not just, you know, a stranger's opinion of me, but in that idea, it's like, okay, well, what that really means is right now I want to live a beautiful life. Um, and even though it's been marked with all of these tragedies and such Mm -hmm. a short life, um, they don't have to define my life. They don't have to define me. Um, and what I've learned in my year of healing is that they have actually given me so much, um, that I can offer to other people as well. Mm. Gosh, Michelle, like you already like are holding the peace and trying to live it now rather than write your own like obituary of like, but I promise it was good, but, it, <laughs> but I, I, right? Right. <laughs> so like, to hear you, it's like right now, not after, not once it's all said and done, do I want to look back and be like, hey, you know what? There was some good stuff in there too. But mm-hmm. in in the hardship, in the in the loss, in the fear of another tragedy, right now I want, and I want to live into the beauty, and I want to, I want to say, hey, this is also beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you just hit on something. The what I'm experiencing now, that fear of another tragedy. Um, I think you know, it was in my mind to just not even go there and to try to pretend like that fear didn't exist and that I could somehow like speak perfection into being or, you know, confess it or believe it enough that, you know, a premature birth is not going to happen to me again. When in reality, 
I am afraid of that happening again. I do not want that to happen. That was horrible and hard. And not recognizing that I have that fear doesn't serve me, Mm. but recognizing that it's there and that I can do it anyways, and that I can move forward anyways alongside that fear um, is serving me, is allowing me to be more present in this pregnancy. And that's the bravery piece, right? So bravery isn't when I when I don't look at something and I feel okay it's when I do look at something and I proceed and I stand like in my pregnant body looking at everything that has been real yeah and accepting that it it has been that way hard things have happened um it doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to again, but I, I think I had this idea. Um, you know, my dad died a week after my 16th birthday and I just thought, okay, there's, there's the great tragedy of my life. There's my story. I have this hard thing happen to me at a tender point in life and I get through it. And then the rest of my life is perfect. (laughs) And and then I, uh, I met a woman and spent some time with her. She was older and she had lost her husband. And I, I was spending some, she was a friend of my mom's and I was helping her out. Um, and in our time together, I learned that she lost her dad young as well. So mm-hmm. then this reality hit me of like, oh, wait, two people died <laughs> untimely like, wait a in second. your life? Yeah. yeah, like you got hit twice? That's, I thought it like was it like. It doesn't happen. No, you check it off. And I checked Mm -hmm. it off at 16 and now I'm good. Um, And so, you know, then when we lost our first pregnancy. um, And at 24 weeks too. That's that's significant. It was very significant. And it was my first pregnancy. And so my my level of idealism and um, all of that was incredibly high. I was expecting you know, a beautiful home birth with like music playing and birds flying and (laughs) like, I I don't know, just so idealistic. And that's what I'd seen around me is that's how it went. And so again, I felt like I was that person, you know, I'd been that girl who dad died. Now I was that girl whose baby died. Um, And then I had a, I did get a beautiful home birth with my first son. And then with my second son, um, I, again, I got preeclampsia and help syndrome. Oh, yes. I had no indications of it, no precursors for it. None of the things that they would normally be looking for. Um, it didn't come on slowly and it wasn't manageable. It was, I thought I had indigestion and four hours later (laughs) I was knocked out and my baby was out. Um, Unbelievable. It was, (laughs) it was literally one of those things you wake up and you're like, Wait, this isn't real. Yeah. Yeah, Like this can't be happening. Yeah. Yeah. And then we were in the NICU for 57 days after that. Um, Which is just, again, there's such powerlessness there. We spent a brief time in the NICU. So it's, it, it's also powerless. It is. You feel so helpless. (laughs) Yes. After being so helpless, that's what's so, the idea of pregnancy in general is one of the most powerless times and it, it also feels like the most real 
perspective of what life actually is. Like all mm-hmm. I can do is be a container for what's happening. Like, there's literally mm-hmm. nothing I can do to make my baby more alive or less alive. I can't yes. determine what I'm carrying, what I'm delivering. Like all yeah. of it feels like such a giant freaking metaphor and in powerlessness. And, and we think we're so powerful. We, we create our lives to think we have so much more control than we actually do. And I think pregnancy is this very upending reminder that we actually are so, so not in control. I couldn't feel that more. <laughs> I joke, you make the decision to have unprotected sex and that's about <laughs> the last choice you get to make. <laughs> oh, like, that's real. That's, that's the real. last time you have any say in- totally. You know, yeah, besides any eating right and exercising and that kind of stuff, it's like, yes. really, you don't get to pick the gender, even though no. I tried to this last time. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't get to decide how it goes. And, you know, I mean, some people have incredible experiences. And I did with my first son, mm-hmm. um, you know, but it, it, it's just no guarantees. And, mm-hmm. and you are not in control of it so much less than I had any understanding of. And sometimes people have to save your life and save your baby's life. And, um, mm. Michelle. Yeah. Yeah. There's two things that came up when you were talking about like, um, okay, so I'm that girl at 16, you know what I mean? Like I'm the girl and this is my story. And then mm-hmm. to have that come back, you know, almost 15 years later, right. Of like this, like, Oh wait, Oh now I'm, I'm the girl. And, it's interesting how quickly we, and my, myself included, define ourselves by what happens to us. Mm-hmm. We personalize and assign ourselves the tragedy as a personification. I'm the girl who's, for me, my, you know, who, I mean, literally every bad thing just keeps happening to and everyone knows it. And it's like, whoa, right? So I, I can assign myself that bad things happen to me mm-hmm. rather than bad things happen. Yes, it feels so damn personal when it just keeps happening to you. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And it's hard. I mean, not that you want bad things to happen to the people around you, but it's hard to see everybody else's life not experiencing trauma or tragedy. And and you're like, who's dividing this up? (laughs) Like, who decides who gets what and when and mm. why does it just keep being on me um, and where have you gotten with that where like what's where are you landing or in process with in that concept well I, uh, I I did therapy in this last year I I knew that I wanted to get pregnant again I knew we had always wanted a bigger family and I I have always tried to make decisions based on hope for the future, not fear from the past. Mm. Um, And so we decided to just kind of hit my health hard and get myself Mm. as ready as I could. And I knew that my mental and emotional area was where I needed to start. So I started therapy um, and I started some EMDR. Excellent. And um, kind of the offshoot of EMDR. I forget what it's called now, but where you, you go through it the same way as EMDR, but then you, they end it with like a replacement memory. That's more positive. Um, and that helped me a lot. And I did that for about a year. And in our, our last um, conversation together, she asked me, 
where do you think you came in? What thought did you have and where did it, and where do you land now? And I came in feeling like I was a burden to people that, mm. you know, I, I talked to my friend one time, I'm like, let me just ask you, how many meals have people prepared and brought to your house <laughs> in the last like year or so? And, you know, she said none. And I'm like, well, mine's probably like a hundred because mm. my life has been so hard that people are fulfilling the basic necessity of feeding my family for me. <laughs> and, and I just felt like a, a burden to people, even though I didn't know that, that I felt that I just felt like, because I'm always the one with hardship, I'm not able to help others. I'm not able to give, um, because I'm just always needing help. And through EMDR, and that made me feel weak. Um, that was the main word weak. And through MDR and the other work that I was doing, I was able to come out feeling strong and that because I've gone through these things, because I've experienced these hardships, I am actually stronger for them. And I actually have so much to give. I have so much sympathy for the human life and the shitstorm that it can be. And I have um, so much to offer people and helping them through the big and small tragedies of life that I now know are inevitable and there's no countdown to being done with them. Mm. Yeah. It, I am, I love hearing somebody's process or like their feedback on like what EMDR was like for them. It is such an incredible modality um, because it's different than someone saying, Hey, you know what, Michelle, like um, bad things happen to everybody. And you're like, Okay, like that's really nice. Um, thanks. I don't know what, yeah. what to do with that, right? Because yeah. it's it's actually offensive if someone gives you a belief that does not align with your lived experience. Yes. And so then when we go through the process of EMDR, which is a it's a there's a several women on my team for radical women women do this also remotely. Um, it is it's one of the most powerful modalities of therapy I have seen in regards to treating the actual core belief, which is regardless of what I think and regardless of how much community I have around me telling me otherwise, regardless of the hundred meals who have showed up on my porch and said, hey, we see you, we love you, we're here for you. I still believe X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And when we go through the experience of EMDR, because it's a reparative experience, because the injury was experienced, that, oh, I actually believe now I have something to offer. I actually believe this is my strength. I actually believe, like it's not someone telling you, mm -hmm. you know it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so it was, it was very powerful. And you know how I was brought up um, in my Christianity and with, um, the spiritual instruction around me, mm -hmm. it gave me a certain lens to see things through. And there were things about that that made me feel like I couldn't process things in the way that I needed to. Um, you, you know, like, about that? like, you know, when my dad died, I'm 16 years old. And, you know, people say things like, well, you're going to get to see him again. And it's almost like that is supposed to negate the fact that I can't freaking see him right now. 
<laughs> and I don't have them here right now and how much that hurts. And it was, um, you know, that God's got you. He's going to cover this. He's going to take care of you. And so I think I didn't allow myself to process some of my grief properly mm. um, because I thought I wasn't supposed to even be feeling it maybe. Totally. Um, and going through EMDR and being able to go back to those, those yeah. moments and relive them as hard and as horrible as that was allowed me to feel the grief all the way back from a 16 year old girl and know that just because I'm feeling that doesn't mean that I don't still believe the good and that God takes care of you and all those things, but that you just can't lean on that to not have to feel the other things. Totally. Oh, it makes, yeah, no, I, that's why I appreciate you putting like more words to it. I think people listening will very much identify with both of those parts that, um, people's well-meaning intentions, um, can also cause injury, not because they meant to, Mm -hmm. um, the, some of the caveats of things that kind of stink, like they stink in theology, right? Is that it's like, well, well, did God not have me yesterday? Like, did he, was he not covering my back yesterday? But like now he is because my dad's dead. Like it's like some of the stuff feels like there's so many big holes in it. What sounds like it's supposed to be comforting that people offer each other in grief is like, how about like, this is so awful. Yeah. This is the worst. I hate this for you. I hate this for all of us. Like, yeah. Just to call out how stupid and awful, <laughs> right? It is. Yeah. Because it is. It sucks. Death sucks. There's no way getting around that. You yeah. know, it's it's the worst. And, you know, then again with, um, you know, losing a baby and having a baby born preterm, yeah. Yeah. the sting of hearing people, you know, say things, God blessed me with a perfect, healthy baby. And it's like, mm. amen, but damn it, why didn't he bless me with that? <laughs> and so in this pregnancy, I'm not, I don't have this expectation of God to make it perfect for me. I don't, I didn't do anything to deserve that. What I am expecting is that no matter what it looks like, damn it, I can get through this. Yes. I am am able. Bam. See that. So right. Yeah. That's, that's power. Should I drop my mic? A hundred (laughs) percent. Throw them on the ground. (laughs) Wait, I need this. I'm done here. (laughs) Right. Cause that's like, God, it takes, it, it's people assign all sorts of things to God, either in calamity or in when things are really great, like God. And it's like, okay, right. Again, but what about yesterday? Or what about the day after? Or what about the mm-hmm. women, right? Again, who are, who are miscarried? Like it, so it doesn't, it doesn't make sense for one person if it's not, if it doesn't make sense for all of the people. So mm-hmm. there's a, there's a bit of something that gets, it's just bizarre what we, how we integrate faith that doesn't feel super sturdy all the time. And there mm-hmm. are some incredibly sturdy ways to integrate our faith, right? Like what I just he- heard you say made me like sit up straight in my chair, like regardless and in the midst of my pregnancy delivery and raising of my next son, like I am here for it. 
I am capable and experienced and qualified and I have done my work and I know how to show up here. And I believe that God is with me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I read something great. Um, you know, God is on the mountaintop with you, but it's in the valley that he's really doing the work. Mm. And I think anybody who's, who's been through a valley, um, knows how true that is. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and knows yeah. when that's, that's the work that's being done in you. Um, because it's great when things are great, it's easy, but it's those hardships and those challenges that really forge you into the person, um, with sustenance, if you allow it, you know? True. Well, there's a perspective shift. Like what you said is being done in me. And I think a Mm -hmm. lot of times people feel like it's being done to them. Mm -hmm. And if it's being done to them, then there's a powerlessness, a victim-ish feeling of, oh, there's nothing I can do. It's all this stuff's happening to me. And it's Mm -hmm. like, Mm-hmm. But when I when I understand that there's something also being done in me, then all of a sudden I am like co-participating. I am co-collaborating with what is happening rather than defending what is happening to me. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And also when we're in crisis and trauma, clearly things are just shit. And so it's really hard <laughs> to like, like, it's like we're like, hmm, you know what? You know what? this isn't happening to me. This is happening in me, right? Like it's not like it's when when we're in it, right? It just, we're just like, we're like Job in the dirt. We're just going to throw dirt on myself and be like, this sucks. And I curse you. Like that's what it really looks like. Yeah. And, and sometimes it looks different and sometimes it shifts as the tragedies keep happening. And sometimes I get perspective and sometimes I remember, and sometimes I don't, I just sit on the floor and I'm like, damn it all. Yeah. And I think we have to allow space for that too, because, you know, when you're in it, when you're in survival mode, you know, there's things that happen in a moment, a tragedy that happens, a great loss happens in a moment. And then there's things like 57 days in the NICU and you're tired and you're worn down in so many different ways and there's wonderful moments of hope and then there's steps backwards and you know your baby literally just keeps trying to die in front of you and it's like (laughs) that's not just you know something happens and and you fight through it's every day waking up and choosing to still go back into that hospital and be in that hard place for your child and um, if you have to go home and drink a couple martinis and pump and dump before you go back, like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> sometimes we're managing. <laughs> yeah. I, most of the time we're managing. <laughs> yeah, truly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So let's talk tools. Like this is, this is, that was one of the things you'd mentioned. It's like, I, I've, I've done my work in therapy. I've done EMDR. I have, I'm standing here. How many weeks are you right now? Um, almost 17 this weekend. Okay. 17 this weekend. Okay. What tools are you using? And then maybe we can kind of play with some new ones. Um, well, this last year, I kind of called it, we, Finn, my son that was born premature, Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to back up just a little bit, if that's okay, oh, to kind of please, get please, perspective. Please. Um, he, after he got home from the hospital, he also got RSV and was oh back in gosh. the hospital oh for 10 days. Yeah. 
Percy did because it's it's my story. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that was really hard. That was harder for me than the NICU, and I it was harder because. I felt more responsibility. I felt like I should have protected him from that. Um, I felt like that was my job. And I, I had had gut feelings um, when he got it that I was exposing him. I had a gut feeling when he was home and he, he was sick, but it wasn't right. Um, yeah. We went to the hospital and then we were sent home and I had a gut feeling that we shouldn't go home but I went home and then we were driving back to the ER with a blue baby at 2 a.m. Oh, 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 Michelle. And when we finally got home from all of this, the guilt was so heavy. And the narrative that I had in my brain was so bad that it was just cycling in my brain. And one night I like drank a bottle of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, went to bed and I just was like, God, I need something. I, I've got to direct my thoughts and my efforts into something that is profitable and good and isn't just this endless cycle of guilt. And I got the idea of a um, stuffed animal for babies in the hospital. Mm. Oh my so gosh. I started... It took about a year of development of developing this stuffed panda that has like a scent patch for mom to wear or dad to oh. wear, and then you reattach it and a recording device um, so they can hear your voice. And all of it's meant to help connect you to the baby even when you can't be there. Because um, with those longer NICU stays, that's so hard to to be there all the time. I I have I'm like totally like choked, choked up. Can, where can we, where can people find this um it's finn and co gifts um finn after my son is it um, f or ph f f i n n and c o gifts.com oh, and on instagram and facebook and all that um so that was honestly my first step wow. towards healing to to start with um giving back to that community. The year of development gave me time to write my story, to work through so much on my own. Um, you know, I wanted to, as I'm putting it out there, obviously I needed to explain where it was coming from. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah. So I got to process my journey. And then by the time the bears arrived, I felt ready to start delivering the bears to the NICU, be in that place again, talk to those moms, try to empathize and share my experience and help them. This um, is, I mean, you're an alchemist. Like this is, <laughs> I'm, Michelle, like to watch you turn your lived trauma and tragedy and, and self-doubt, there's always that as mom, right? Like, mm -hmm. oh gosh, what did I know? What did I not know? And this, you've literally created solution. This is so beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yeah, so that, and that has been, you know, I told myself if I just helped one mom, it would be worth it. And, and I remember that one mom that said, you know, this reached me at a time when I needed it. And, um... And it's continued to, to be a healing 
process for me to use what I've learned, that strength that I do have and what I do have to offer people. It's been a means of doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was, that was a big first step for me. Um, and then as Finn started to get better, by the time he was about two years old, mm-hmm. he, his lungs were bigger, he was stronger. Um, we were able to bring him off of medications and different things. Yeah. And I was yeah. able to um, look at myself and say, mm-hmm. okay, you need to heal a little mm-hmm. bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know this might sound kind of silly, but I started uh, working out and not Why just any silly? workout. Well, you know, I don't know. I guess I'm, it, it was CrossFit. <laughs> cool. That's really <laughs> and, great. It, it was very intimidating to me. And I, I was kind of that person that was like, I don't know, like kind of made fun of CrossFit people <laughs> <laughs> and didn't think that was ever going to be something that I did because it just looks like really strong people doing really hard things. Awesome. Yeah. Um, and so what that taught me is that I am a really strong person and I can do really hard things. Mm-hmm. And so going to a gym, um, with an incredible leader here. It's not CrossFit technically anymore, but, um, you know, you walk up to a barbell with weights on it and you're just like, who am I? I don't do this. And then you do it and you're like, oh, I can do this. Mm, Um, I love it. But that's like, so, right. So we're yours is CrossFit, right? Like other people mm -hmm. are like, oh, so it's when I fill in the blank, whatever their thing is, but all of a sudden what you're doing is you're confronting who you thought you were and really figuring out who you are, like when it really meets life, who am I? Yeah. It's, it's so powerful. It was another label, you know, oh, oh I don't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's for those kind of people. And, and to get in there and it's like, oh no, I choose. <laughs> I choose who I am and I choose what I do. Yeah. And, and now I do this. See, that's so that's that tool right there. Okay, so I think of that as like the multi-use tool. So literally, if you were thinking about a tool, it's not just a single function. But when you have the tool of I choose, you can do any single thing like I choose and you've chosen to go to therapy to do EMDR to face yourself at CrossFit, like to create something for other moms that are in dads who are in in NICU experiences you decided to get pregnant again like you've made choice so you've taken back volition and power and voice and strength like so your tool is it's up to me yeah that's your narrative that's the big overarching narrative is i am going to step in here yeah Mm. and be present for all of it you know i think i used to think that life was just supposed to be good and it's it's just not what it is and if you check out for the bad you're gonna miss half of life you know yeah it's it's right this comes back to I think when we were talking about the difference between I'm not looking at things and calling it brave to I'm looking at everything and knowing I'm brave Mm -hmm. is if I if I can look when I look at it all all of it, the, the black, the white, the gray, the, the mountain, the valley, the in-between. And I say, look at my life. It's mm-hmm. all mine. All of this is mine. And I get to call it all good. Yeah. All good. Now, it can be hard and, and awful 
and phenomenal and beautiful and shocking, but I determine what's good. Yeah. And I think also when, you know, it's like we were saying with pregnancy, you just, you don't have as many choices as you think you do going into it, maybe choices or control. Mm -hmm. Um, But you do always choose how you respond to something. You do choose Mm -hmm. um, what you, what you let it be in your life. My mom, after my dad passed away, so much of her died with him. Wow. And yeah, she never chose to move on fully um, and died 15 years later with without a um, cause of death on the death certificate even. And it just, Whoa. she was tired. She had hurt for long enough and was done essentially. Um, and, and it scared me after she died to, I then like, you know, I had, it was a week before Finn turned one. Um, and so he was doing better and I was getting a little bit of myself back. And then I started cross I did that. And then I got appendicitis. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's almost like uh obviously and then yeah. of course i got it yeah, okay anyway really this will get you like... <laughs> i probably do right now i, just, I shouldn't say that <laughs> um, i i this is the kicker i got appendicitis i'm like okay whatever it's like one of those big surgeries like let's not make a big deal like nobody even comes over and brings a meal because it's like that's ah, just appendicitis it's michelle she's fine um then i go for the follow-up and the appendix had cancer cell on it <gasps> What? Yeah. When was this? This was last September. Oh, and okay. So, fin- oh my gosh. <laughs> so, okay. That was that. That was my reaction, and so I had to do some follow-ups, make sure it wasn't anywhere else, and it wasn't. And you know, I'll do an MRI again in like a year or something. But it just was. You know, my mom had died, and then this happened, and it was like, okay we need to change something like this is not I don't want to die young like my children or like my parents did and leave my children I don't want to um you know be underweight because I'm stressed and tired and I don't want to feel weak and and it just was the like okay like we're not doing this anymore (laughs) this isn't going to be how we do this life and so I wanted to get strong. I wanted to be as healthy as I could. I wanted to look at it from every angle, um, physical, emotional, spiritual, mental, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's hard work, but I could either, yeah. you know, succumb to all of this and say, well, what's the point? Um, and follow my mom's footsteps of just kind of stepping back in my own life. Right. Or I could dive headfirst in and take control yep. as much as I could. Yep. So, so what you're, what you're doing there right now is you're showing people that are listening that there's another way to do it. So what we tend to do is with the script we've been handed, we tend to fast forward that. And then we push that forward as a prescriptive narrative that what has happened will keep happening and there's nothing I can do about it. And what you have done is you said, wait a second, nope, my life is not just a string of cosmic events that are happening, like, and there's nothing I can do. I 
can choose. You're putting yourself as, as center hero, which is the actual role you actually play and all of us play in our own story is, wait a second, I see the way it's gone. I want it to be different. I'm the only one who can make it different. I need to go get all the resources and the guides and the things that I need to actually change the story. And then I'm going to live into a really great story because I can. Yeah. Incredible. Incredible. Sounds really dramatic when I say it out loud. <laughs> Does it? it? It's just, it's like, you know, you're like, well, and then, you know, appendicitis, and then you're like, oh my gosh. And you're like, oh yeah, I guess that is. <laughs> it, and so this is like the, I love that you just said that. Okay. So when we keep it within ourselves, we can either maximize it and blow it out of proportion or minimize it and make it into such a tiny little speck that we're like, oh, you know, everybody has cancer cells in their appendix. Yeah. Like, uh, wait, okay. No, hold up. No, no, not everybody does. Right. Nope. So like yeah. literally this week there was, I was talking to somebody and they said something like, well, I, you know, everybody feels that way. And I was like, Okay, I, I actually am going to pause you real quick. Not everybody does feel that way. And she's like, oh. <laughs> I'm like, right. When we say what's in our head out loud, we can yeah. realize that maybe it's not actually true. Yeah. Well, and I think it goes back to that. I don't want to be labeled as having a hard life. And so I intentionally or unintentionally may minimize things that are hard. Um to avoid that label and I guess that's that's part of what I'm still working on is like it can be hard and beautiful and it can yeah you know it it happens you can't pretend like it didn't Mm. Um, the losses and and the things yeah yeah that's the and version of the story yeah not but Mm -hmm. or or right yeah hard or beautiful hard and beautiful yeah where, if people are like, hey, I have a similar story, I would love to connect with you. Like, where would you like people to visit you? Obviously, I, I have your website. Where would where would people connect to you further? Um, yeah, my website or um, Instagram is, is usually easy, fitting code mm-hmm. gifts. Um, and just DM me and I am definitely open to talking to anybody and um, commiserating. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> or yeah. encouraging and both <laughs> both yeah I think you know we both need it and it's not it's one of those jobs that you don't just do it you don't just do the therapy and do the workout once and then you're mm. strong and able but it's something that you have to come back to mm-hmm. um and telling other people that is sometimes easier than telling yourself <laughs> <laughs> but but in that process you get the reminder too yes that's so good michelle i'm so excited for you thank you You i'm yeah there is there is such a beautiful like fierceness to your strength like and it's been an earned strength too these are these are not things that have been given to you you have you really are this is the alchemist is I'm taking what has happened and I'm turning it to my good. I'm wrestling this for the blessing. And when I think about you as a pregnant woman right now, what you are entering into in this next, the next couple trimesters and into your delivery, you're a warrior. You're coming into this as a warrior. I do feel strong. I do feel able. 
and and I'm thankful. I'm very thankful to be in that place now. And, you know, to you, I would just say, I mean, the work that you're doing and that, you know, you don't know when you're talking about your grandma in a podcast, you did what, you know, two years ago, um, those, those moments that reach people. And so thank you for doing the work that you're doing and then allowing me to be a part of it today. Thank you, Michelle. Yeah, it's, it was, you know, it's her birthday yesterday. So this is a oh, wow. very timely conversation. <laughs> it's like, oh, look at this. Look at this synchronicity. Yeah. Mm. And look at her life going on. Oh, so much. Oh, I have the chills. Yeah, it's like, I and this is something that I tend to only, only really talk about people who have also lost people and know what, what death looks like up close and personal, but mm-hmm. it feels like that veil is so thin and only getting thinner. When I think about my grandmother or my brother, I'm like, love is such an incredibly powerful force that I, I get now the idea that like not even death could destroy it, that not, mm-hmm. not even death could be victorious over love, that mm-hmm. it is so beyond what we get in this physical dimension. And what I know now after having people that I've loved with my whole self, my whole body and soul and life, and I experience them still, even though they are not on earth. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's, it's just the most, it's the most real thing. It's not surreal or unreal. It is so real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, people, they make us who we are. And, you know, especially thinking about my parents and, Mm -hmm. you know, I got sad the other day realizing like, man, I don't get to tell my parents I'm pregnant again. I don't get to laugh with my mom about me having three boys (laughs) and (laughs) my dad, you know, who was raised with three sisters and then had two daughters. He doesn't get to meet his grandsons. And the ache of those feelings is so real whether he died you know 17 years ago or two years ago or if it just happened it's Mm -hmm. that ache is present and like you said that love for them and the work that they did in me that I'm even here today yep yep well and that's the part that I think as people keep exploring like like I, there's a bench in town that's dedicated to my brother and I still go down there and I just, I tell him like, Chase, like I have to tell you what's going on in my life now. Like, it, like, here's how it all worked out. Like this happened and then this happened and I'm married now. And, and it was Jesse and you were right all along and you, and you saw it before, you know what I mean? It's like, I feel like I'm, I still tell him like parts of the story of like, mm-hmm. and I don't, there's a timelessness factor to it. That's like, what what do they already know and see on the other side of that veil? What what are they already aware of? I don't know. It's so beyond my understanding, but yeah. my experience <laughs> feels pretty pretty real. So yeah. Mm. Anyway, 
Thank you, Michelle. This was so lovely connecting with you. I'm going to post about um, the panda bears as well. I've, we've, I've had a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of moms reach out about um, infancy loss and pregnancy loss and miscarriage and looking for a voice and a resource. And so I, I'm just, I'm so thankful for you. This is such a great fit for this Good. conversation. Good. I'm so glad. I hope it helps somebody out there listening. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. again, it was such an honor to talk with you. Tot- oh, gosh. Yeah. Anytime. Okay. I hope you have the best day. And I am going to be closely following to see the, the, <laughs> the delivery of your third son. <laughs> Come on, full term. <laughs> Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Full That's term, cool. baby. Full term. Big old fat one. Yeah. Uh, yes. Thank you, Lee. Thank you. You're welcome. I will talk to you soon. Okay, guys that like that podcast had me everywhere <laughs> like I was like yes and I was angry and I was like fired up and then I'm like <gasps> so it it's gosh it's amazing the things that can be evoked in us when we are just listening to somebody else's story it's like a page turner um there's some things I wanted to highlight in my conversation with Michelle that maybe you could run through your own story as well and see where it fits or doesn't fit for you Um, One of the big things I wanted to talk about was our subconscious beliefs. And these are the core beliefs, the things that we end up believing about ourselves as a result of the things that we've experienced. These aren't things we try to believe. These aren't personal mantras or positive thoughts or things that we've created as a way to say, hey, this is me. It's the the shitstorm and the way that we bring it into ourselves as a result of tragedy or trauma. It's not because it's on purpose. So you could rethink through your story. When something bad has happened, we tend to believe that somehow we, it was because of us. Something I could have done, something whatever, right? We're going to fill in the blank with our own injury or, the, or our core belief that needs some work. What tends to happen is we then stack these subconscious beliefs and that they become behavior-based. So not only do I believe that bad things happen to me, I now want to build a life to make sure that those things don't happen to me. And so I might be anxious. I might retreat. I might not risk. I start to pull back from potential threat because I'm a smart person. And when all these bad things happen, what are you supposed to do? So the work of EMDR, which is eye movement, um, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and that specific modality helps to discover or uncover what the core belief is that is limiting and keeping you stuck in that trauma and then goes through the replacement of what is a belief that actually helps me to function effectively in this world and the truth of who that who I am um, if you are interested in EMDR you can a- absolutely look through um, Radical Wellness's website we have multiple providers who provide EMDR and are doing so remotely now because of COVID sidebar um Subconscious beliefs, because we aren't aware of them, tend to plague us more so than beliefs we're aware of, right? Because if we can't see it, we aren't even aware of how often it's coming up and affecting us. 
Um, if you have questions about this work or are curious about your subconscious beliefs, they're really interesting to examine. And it's also super effective work because we can identify them rather quickly because they show up all the time and we're able to convert those specific beliefs. The other thing that came up in our conversation was how we define ourselves. And we are quick to define ourselves um, with objective things. I'm the girl who bad things happen to. I'm the guy who just can't get his life together. I'm right. Like I, and, and we, these are all objective things. These are circumstances. These are happenings. This is not me or you or him or her or them or us, but we personalize events that have nothing to do with who we are and we put them on like clothing we cover ourselves in them as identity and so I want I really do want to invite you to to look at how you how you do that now with our tragedy or with our triumph okay because this is where it gets tricky when do I wear my trauma as a flag when do I wear my privilege as my power that I say, hey, things just always go my way. Hey, you know, I'm lucky. Like it's like, it, and and actually, that's privilege. But we we wear it. We wear these circumstantial events as if they are personal, subjective things that we have somehow done or earned, good or bad. So food for thought for you there. And then the narrative we build around our trauma, that it's not just something that has happened, but it is something that will keep happening forever. And that's the nature of trauma. That's how we know that it's trauma is that it's outside of time. So if it was a closed trauma, something that was healed, we would say that is something that happened then and there. But when our trauma is open or it is unfinished, it is potentially everywhere all the time at any moment, at any given time, it could happen again now. So there's a, an anxious attachment and connection to the original injury that leads me to believe that I am always at risk. Um, the last thing I want to draw upon is the idea that I don't want to do what my parents did. This is, I, you know, I did envy actually a moment when I thought, this is such an Enneagram 4 thing, but to get to speak about your parents' lives after they've passed, there's a sense of like, so I can say how it really was because I know they're not going to listen to me on this podcast. Like I can like say like this is what happened or what was hard or what sucked or what I wish because like they're not going to hurt it, hurt, hear it and it's not going to hurt their, their feelings. So I had a little quick in my spirit of like, ah, anyway, people come in every week wanting to do it differently than how their parents did it. The and in the story is that I'm not making it about my parents anymore. I am making it about myself and my kids. I don't need my story of legacy to be just about me trying to not do what my parents did, but about what I want to do from a place of freedom and autonomy and beauty and triumph and mountaintops. I get to decide the script that my kids live into. And I have to live into it first, or otherwise it's just going to be lip service. So... When you think about what you've been handed, when you think about circumstance in your life, when you think about your family of origin and the things that have happened to you, how are you defining yourself? How are you scripting and pre-scripting yourself into that story? What needs to change? What, what is within your realm to change? What needs some alchemy? What needs to be converted to action? You guys, this is, this is a whole thing. That's what Michelle was really talking about today is I needed to, she goes, I need to take a, do the, all of the places. I needed to go to all of those spots and get really healthy. 
What a brave woman who was willing to face all those fears of her life and get pregnant again. So I, I hope that today's podcast gives you pause to ask hard questions and to be willing to kind of flip the lights on and look and see what is within your own story that deserves attention. It deserves attention. You deserve to attend to yourself and the things that have happened and the things that keep you stuck and the things that hurt you and the things that weren't your fault and the shitty things people said to you because they didn't know better. All of that deserves care. All of it. Cheers. Cheers.